0: Pastor Paul Boyer and the congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's listen to Pastor Paul as we study the Word together.
1: talking about temptation today. What is temptation? Before I get into that, I want to read, uh, read some scripture verse for today. If you will, open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 4. It's the verse we studied in Sunday school this morning. Luke chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm reading the scripture. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, but I'm reading this particular scripture to give you the background. It's going to stand behind everything I say. Then Jesus returned from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by who? Tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it's written, man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and allowed and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all this will be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord our God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Then Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord our God, your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Temptation. Every time something goes wrong, is it always the result of temptation? The scriptures tell us that there's three different types of, of troubles that can come upon a Christian. One is, dis- is discipline and judgment and rebuke. Those come from God. There are tests and trials and persecutions and suffering. Those come from knowing God. And they're in temptations. Which are what? They're attacks by Satan. So when trouble comes, which is it? Is God moving to correct you? Is this the promised persecution that comes to all Christians? Or have I allowed Satan to have access to my life? You see, God tests us to build our strength, right? He tests us to build our strength. He disciplines us to improve our character. And He rebukes us to improve our witness. Tests and trials and persecutions come. That's normal. Scripture tells us to take up our cross daily and follow Christ how much more was Christ persecuted than we can ever be in his name that's normal tests and trials and persecutions are part of the Christian life all of these are allowed by God or through God to make us better stronger and more dependent on him God is setting us up to win he's building he's building us up to win He's getting us in the position where we can resist. tests, rebukes, disciplines are all from God all setting us up to win. He wants us to be victorious. Temptation on the other hand is from the devil. What's the devil doing? He's setting us up to fail. So if you're ever concerned and you're unsure about what's going what's happening in your life is from, Is a trial or a test or a temptation? Ask yourself this question, is God setting me up to win or is Satan setting me up to fail? And that'll answer your question. We've got to learn to recognize the difference. The definition of to tempt is to try to get someone to do wrong, especially by a promise of reward. Now, isn't that Satan's tactic? A promise of reward. You see, we've got to be sure in our hearts and our minds we have to know this one single fact. We have an enemy. Revelation 12, 9 says, So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent, who was called the devil, and Satan... The one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to the earth and his angels with him. Satan is just not a Judeo-Christian construct to explain evil in the world. Satan isn't just the totality of all that can go wrong and all that's bad. Satan is real. Satan is alive. Satan is the second most powerful force in the universe. And I told my Bible study class this morning, I get very upset with movies and television shows that dabble in the occult. The second most powerful force in the universe is not a hornet's nest you want to poke with a stick. It's real, you don't play with it. Satan is real, and he is the enemy of your soul. 1 Peter 5 8 says, Be sober. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Now, we've all seen National Geographic specials about the lions in Africa and how they're hunting the wildebeest. Picture that in your mind. You got that mental picture in your mind? She, because it's usually the lioness that does the hunting, They don't play fair, do they? She looks for the weakest animal to attack and to kill it and to devour it. She looks for a weakness to attack. Doesn't our tempter do the same thing? Looks for a weakness to exploit. Looks for our lowest point. My question is, how strong are you? Because the enemy is real, and he's looking for the weakest of us to devour. Ephesians 6.12 says, For the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Okay, on your sermon notes on the last page, you should have some blanks to fill in. I'm going to give you one right now. So I'm going to let you know. We don't have a slide, so I'm just going to let you know when to write it down. So write this down. The first one, fill in the blank. Temptation is an attack by the enemy. Spiritual warfare, nothing less. Get ready. Be prepared because the next blank. Flesh is weak. But God is stronger. Matthew 26, 41 says, Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't it interesting that temptation is a pervasive force? It's all around us. It's all the time. But it has a prerequisite. Something has to come first before temptation can take control of your soul. Temptation cannot touch you unless... You let it. The prerequisite for temptation is you. Temptation cannot enter into your life unless you allow it to do so. Satan can only tempt you with your own desires. James 1, 13 through 14 says... No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God is not tempted by evil. He himself does not tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. So, what does that mean? Do you recognize where your weak spots are? Can you see where you might be open for temptation? Do you recognize and know the desires of your heart? You see, because the flesh is weak but the good news is God is stronger. Satan wishes to destroy you. Why? Why? What does he possibly have to gain by destroying you? I'll tell you why. Because Satan is powerless to hurt God. He has no power over God. There's nothing Satan can do to wound God except wounding you. If Satan can wound you, he's wounding God. If Satan can destroy you, he hurts the God that loves you. Think about your children or your grandchildren, those of you that have them. If somebody wants to take me on, bring it. But you go out, you do something to my kids or my grandchildren, you better run. I can take it, but you don't mess with them. God feels that same way about us. Satan, you want to fight me face to face, bring it on. I can take it. Don't mess with my children. That is that is the only way that Satan can hurt God is by hurting you. Because God loves you so much. That's his only weakness. If you want to call love a weakness. That's the only way. So when Satan tries to destroy you, what he's really doing is trying to poke God in his, weak, in his only place that he can get to him. Because of his love for you. But the power of God always wins. The power of God wins every time. The power of God is infallible. He's un- incapable of giving in to the power of sin. He knows no sin. He, the, one, of my, one of my professors in Bible college said that God's not even aware evil exists. Now, I'm not sure about that. I kind of don't know if that theology is exactly correct. But the point he's making is evil can never win if God is in your corner That's the point he's making. And why is that? Because God is the creator, and we, including Satan, are the created. So, how do we prevail against temptation? All right, write this down. The best way to defeat the enemy is not to fight. Because if we get in the battle, we put ourselves in temptation. The best way to fight this battle is not to get in the fight in the first place. Have you put yourself in the battle? Have you allowed Satan into your life? Have you allowed him influence over you? Because he can't tempt you unless it's part of your own evil desire. He can't find a chink in your armor unless you open it. So the best way to defeat Satan is not to fight him. Stay out of his arena. Avoid situations that place you in harm's way. Don't play with it. The promise of God's power is not a license to flirt with sin. Now, do you know? Say that again. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. The the promise of God's power of protection is not licensed to flirt with sin. How many of us do that? How many of us flirt with sin, knowing that God will save us if if we cry out for Him? Are we testing God? Are we putting a premise that 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 I'll do what I want, and I'm sure God will God will save me? Is that the way this works? No. God promised he would save us. But it doesn't give us license to do whatever we want. It doesn't give us license to watch that show. It doesn't give us license to go to that internet site. It doesn't give us license to go to the gambling boats or the strip clubs. And it doesn't give us license to hang out in bars. Okay, yeah, your salvation may be assured. But that doesn't keep temptation from knocking at your door. Even though you may have a home in heaven, your life on earth can be hell. He doesn't guarantee you that he won't let Satan have access to your life. He just won't let Satan have access to your soul. Thank you, Earl. So what do we do? We guard our minds. We guard our hearts. And we guard our souls. And we Pray for protection. What does the, what we normally call the Lord's Prayer, which we we tend to refer to as the model prayer? It says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what we pray for. Now, there was a time when I was in college and, and I was doing a research paper and I had to look up, for some reason, I don't even remember why, I need to have a picture of a celebrity. So I just randomly chose Meg Ryan. Okay, completely random. Could have been Ernest Borgnine, but it wasn't. It was Meg Ryan. What did I get? I went in the search engine, typed in Meg Ryan. I got, you know, her publicity page, and I got porn sites to the end of the universe. Pop-ups, boom, 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 boom. And I'm hitting these buttons. This was before we had good pop-up blockers, those of you that weren't around in the early days of the Internet. I'm getting pop-ups. I mean, they're coming. And this is stuff that I didn't want to see. The temptation might have been there. To just linger a little bit. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Let's see what that's doing. All right? The temptation was thrown in my f- That's how easy it can be for temptation to creep in. Now, had that one been one of my evil desires just to look at this pornographic material, I would have been in big trouble. Luckily, it wasn't. But I put myself in the devil's arena. I was playing his game. And unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit, he will always win his game. So I'm closing these pop-ups as fast as they come up. Well, they're coming up as fast as I can close them. And I'm going i by getting this stuff off my screen, getting it out of here, and Lacey walks in the room. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? Nothing here. Don't look at the computer, All right. Now, how would I explain that to my teenage daughter what was flashing across my screen, and it was purely incident innocent and wasn't my fault at all. I had to clean up my history and I had to clean up my cookies and I had to install prop-up blockers, and I had to do all that other stuff to keep that from happening again. But I'm just telling you that story to illustrate that's how easy temptation can land in your lap, when you least expect it and you're least open and you're least protected against it. Because in James 1.15 it says, After the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to what? To death. Romans 6.23, you all know this verse, For the wages of sin is death, and the, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do we recognize Sin. You might want to write this in the margin. I don't have this in your in your sermon notes. How do you recognize sin? If you're unsure if something is a sin or not, ask yourself these questions. does it involve instant gratification versus eventual reward. Think about that. I, I might have told this story before, but I, I saw a commercial once. It was. Uh, These guys are rafting, whitewater rafting on the Colorado River and and it's all exciting and they pull up to the beach and and they get out and they build their fire and they're roasting their trout over the fire and they open up a big bush beer and they said, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, they were right. It doesn't get any better than that. It's downhill from there. This is as good as it's going to get. Because instant gratification... Think of sin. Think of just about any sin you can think of. You get an instant reward. The good part comes first. The consequences follow. But you get the good part up front. What is the Christian life like? It's exactly the opposite. The Christian life is the good part comes at the end. In eternity. The consequences might be first. The persecution and the trials. The good part is at the end, it does get better than this. This isn't as good as it gets. Our reward comes later. Now, that doesn't mean we won't be blessed and rewarded in this life. But our ultimate reward comes later. It's, it's, it's deferred reward. Second, does it fill a secret selfish desire? So if you're concerned about this activity, ask yourself, boy, do I really, really want to do this? And why? Is this a secret, selfish desire? Is this thing something that I just really, really want to do, even though I know it's not of God? And third, who will be hurt by it? Because sin always, always has innocent victims. Always. Always. Look at any sin, and you will find collateral damage beyond the pe- maybe even the people involved. But their kids, their spouse, their coworkers, their witness, their church—somebody is going to be hurt. It had nothing at all to do with it. Sin always has collateral damage. It always has innocent victims. And we could, I could, we could talk about David and Bathsheba. We could talk about, we could talk about many, many stories from the Bible, you will find there's always innocent victims that are paying the price for the sin that someone else committed. Because sin is a hereditary disease that we've all inherited, and it's only got one cure. So how do we win? Alright, write this down. Don't go into battle unarmed. Ephesians 6 says that we should put on the full armor of God, including what? The sword of the Spirit, the scripture. The scripture that I read Jesus didn't defeat the devil by his personal power. He didn't say, I'm the Son of God, you can't touch me. He didn't do that. He didn't call down a horde of angels to surround him with a hedge of protection and fend off the devil. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. He didn't rely on his own intellect or or fancy apologetics. He didn't have a good argument to make. He didn't do that. How did he defeat the devil? The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Now, Scripture tells us that Christ is the Word of God. So, in a way, he was using his own intellect. But he used the sword of the Spirit. He used the Word of God. He used Scripture to defeat the devil. Why did he do that? Because the power is here. The authority is here. I, I, sorry, Sunday school people. You're going to hear this again. Many of us in this room wore a uniform at one point. Okay? Many of us, not all of us, but a lot of us have worn a uniform of some kind or another. Mine happen to be much better looking than yours, but we all wore a uniform at some point. When I was doing law enforcement boardings in the Gulf of Mexico arresting drug smugglers, it wasn't my personal authority that gave me the ability to do that. It was the uniform I had on. It was the flag that flew over the cutter that I was serving on. It was the organization that was behind me who was empowered to do that mission by Congress, who was empowered to do that mission by you, the people. Where did my authority come from? It came from the United States of America. I had the ability to use anything necessary to, any force necessary to compel compliance up to and including deadly force to achieve my mission. Empowered by who? By me. My idea? I figured I'd just go out and arrest some drug smugglers today. No, I don't have the authority to do that. The uniform gave me the authority because it was given the authority by the organization, by Congress, and by the people of the United States. This is our weapon. This could be use of deadly force. Who gives us the authority to use this weapon? God Himself. This is our license. This is our authorization. These are our orders from the high command. Slay them. Do battle. Go get them. This is it. Now, why didn't Jesus need that? He was God. He didn't need it. He was the authority. He did. He could have done all this under his own authority. Under his own power, with his own strength, but he didn't. And the reason he didn't is because we can't. And he was setting the model for us. He gave us the power to do what he did in the desert. He gave us the weapon from his authority, which we can defeat the devil. That's why he did it, the way he did. So don't go into battle unarmed. Don't go into the battle alone. Take Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the mighty Word of God with you. If you go into battle alone, you're going to fail. If you go into battle as a team, you're going to win. You see, this is the next thing to write down. We have a secret weapon. Matthew 4.1 says, Then Jesus returned from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus was led into the wilderness in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to his call. Two vital ingredients for our success as Jesus followers. The scripture I read told of the temptation of Christ. Why did he allow this temptation to happen in the first place? He was perfect. Did he have a point to prove? No, he let this temptation happen so that he could model a successful battle for us. And so he could be our Savior. Hebrews four fifteen and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one has been tested in every way that we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us not approach the throne of grace with boldness. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Boy, the devil slipped that one in. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. We have a high priest who's been there, done that, has the T-shirt. So when we go before God and we say, ah, I was tempted and just couldn't stand up. He said, yeah, well, I was tempted too. I know what temptation is. I've been there. I was tempted for 40 days in the desert. What were you tempted with? Well, we have a high priest that can go to God for us and speak from experience of what it's like to be us. See, he's our secret weapon. He was tempted like us. He suffered like us. He knows pain and stress and tears of this life and agony and the agony of death. He speaks for us, having fully experienced what it means to be us. Why? Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, not God in heaven. God with us. Walk the earth, sweat and cry and hurt and fear and anger and frustration every temptation. He felt it before we did. And he showed us that you can't overcome. Because temptation leads to sin and sin leads to death. Jesus is the victor over temptation because he is the conqueror of sin and the victor over death. And by his stripes we are healed. So, I ask you one question. Do you want victory over temptation? Yeah, that's, okay. Victory over temptation, do you want it? Okay. Jesus has a free gift for you. All you need to do is take it. Jesus has victory over temptation. All you have to do is ask him for it. And he'll give it to you. All you have to do is accept him as your high priest, as your battle buddy, as your Lord and your Savior. He'll give you that gift. It's free. It's already been paid for. He bled and died for that. It's already been paid for. All you need to do is take it. So I ask you this. Examine yourself and your attitudes. Be alert. Recognize temptation for what it is, is—an attack by the enemy of your soul. Wrap yourself in the armor of God, study the Scripture, and pray for victory over sin. Listen to and obey the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Put your trust in the One who has been there before you, Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5, 8-10 says, Be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by our brothers in the world. Now, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Jesus Christ, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. Don't forget the after you have suffered a little part. We tend to ignore that part. Wish that would just wasn't there. So I'm going to close with this. Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Let's pray. Lord, we called on your name today. We called on you asking for strength to overcome the workings of the evil one, which was in our midst, was right here amongst us, amongst your people. Lord, my soul tells me you've answered that call, that your spirit is here in power and authority and grace, and nothing can prevail against it. This body of believers is your church. This is your bride. You tell us that nothing can prevail against that. The gates of hell itself cannot prevail against your church. We know that. We've taken that to our hearts. But we know that we're weak. And we know that we fail. And we know that we stumble. And we know that we have our weak points and our chinks in our armor, which the evil one will try to exploit at every turn. So we ask, Lord, that you give us the wisdom to see our weaknesses. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, convict us of where we are going astray. Bring us back to the straight and narrow path. Show us where we are failing to protect ourselves so that we don't give Satan the opportunity to work in our lives. So we leave here this week, Lord, counting and trusting that you will be there for us. When temptation rears its ugly head, we will have Scripture with which to defeat it. We will have the power of the Holy Spirit. We will have the authority that comes from God Himself. And we'll win that battle because we must. Because you want nothing but the best for us. Yes, sometimes you will test us. Sometimes you will discipline us. Sometimes you will rebuke us, but you will never tempt us. You will never give the devil a foothold. And we praise you for that. So I ask, Lord, that you build us up, make us strong, make us warriors for you, make us warriors in the word, make us warriors on our knees. Because that is what you called us to do. We know, Lord, that you will reward us with your perfect grace and peace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.